Welcome to the MILF Bod Podcast. Mindful, intuitive, lifestyle, fitness. An all-encompassing wellness resource for women featuring some of the most successful, influential mothers and experts out there. I'm your host, Cherokee Luker, mother, model, fitness trainer, and wellness enthusiast. Join me as we dive into all things MILF. You guys, today's episode may just be one of the most inspiring yet. I'm here today with the lovely Brittany Jason. And while Brittany was publishing a health book at age 17, I was smoking weed and skipping class with my friends. So this just puts into perspective how hardworking and dedicated Brittany has always been her entire life. We dive into a lot of really important topics on today's episode, such as Brittany's battle in dealing with being bullied growing up, taking charge of her life, mental health, nutrition, her journey to becoming a very successful model slash content creator and social media influencer, the very traumatic experience she had while in Bali getting mugged and into a horrific scooter accident, and how this incident changed her perspective on life. We talk education, the power of manifestation, motherhood, and being kind to yourself. This episode is going to have you on the edge of your seat, and you're going to walk away with so many amazing takeaways. Brittany's mindset and authenticity that she brings to the table is such a breath of fresh air, and I can't wait for you all to hear her super inspiring story. I do have to add a little disclaimer and trigger warning for anyone out there who may be a little sensitive when it comes to the topic of accidents and traumatic and scary events. And another announcement I have to add is that I will now be releasing episodes bi-weekly. So Next episode will be airing August 14th with another amazing guest, so stay tuned. But for now, let's dive into my conversation with the amazing Brittany Jason. Enjoy, guys. So I don't know about you guys, but I've been on a journey with my skin over the years, and I'm finally at a place as I quickly approach 30 where I actually feel like my skin is looking the best it ever has. My goal is to always look dewy, hydrated, and glowing, and this is where the golden secrets comes in. I recently had the founder of this incredible skincare brand on the podcast, Jessie Golden, because I've always admired her since I first discovered her in 2021. As soon as I started following her, I immediately purchased the firming wand, and since then, My Golden Secrets collection has grown to the face oil, the face mist, the instant glow face mask, the dry brush paired with the body oil, the long lash growth serum, and the organic coconut lip balm. If I had to narrow it down, I'd have to say my three favorite products are the face oil, the face mist, and the long lash growth serum. The Golden Secrets is a cruelty-free and sustainable skincare brand rooted in nature to help make you feel like a golden goddess. The goal of the brand is to inspire rituals of self-love and unveil an everlasting glow. And let me tell you, the products do just that. I can't recommend these products enough, and if you need proof of just how amazing this brand is, I highly recommend following Jessie as she is a walking advertisement for every single item. And if you guys haven't listened to her episode, I recommend dropping what you're doing and listening right now. 
She's such a wealth of knowledge, and it brings me so much joy to support brands that deliver actual results and are giving back. So if you too want to unleash that glowing goddess, head over to thegoldensecrets.com to get 10% off your order when you use the code MILFBOD. That's thegoldensecrets.com. Use code M-I-L-F-B-O-D for 10% off your order. Enjoy. Okay, well, let's just jump right in. How are you, Brittany? I haven't seen you. I'm good. I think it was the last time I saw you was 2017. Yeah, yeah, quite a while. I'm good. Obviously, a lot has changed, but as would anyone for that amount of years, what is it, six years? Last I saw you was Hawaii, I believe. Yes, we did a shoot together for San Lorenzo bikinis back in the Mm -hmm. day. It feels like so long ago just because so much has happened since then. Like, I feel like if somebody told us at that shoot, like in six years, you both are going to have children. I never would have believed that. Oh my God. If someone told me that last year, I would have said, okay, you're kidding. Oh yeah. Yeah. Same. So about a little over two weeks from today is when I actually first got pregnant and I didn't even know it. So like, yeah, it's really trippy and really crazy to think about. Like I was on a family vacation with my family last week Uh and my family has a cabin house up in Blue Ridge. So we all went up to Blue Ridge and it's super fun, super sweet. And yeah, and we were up there last year and uh, my parents were like, how crazy is it to think that when you were here this time last year, a few weeks later, you got pregnant. And I was like, if someone would have told me last year when we were up here, hey, by the way, when you come up here next year, you're going to have a baby. I'd say, okay, um, are you okay? That's not correct. I don't see that happening. Um, But I like your thinking. It's cute thinking, but I don't know. (laughs) definitely my husband my husband definitely would have been like okay back up yeah (laughs) I know it's so wild to think about how one little act changed your whole entire life (laughs) for the better but the better everything changes on any and all levels you know people tell you this like your life is going to change but you don't know exactly what that level is until you're going through it exactly because people can tell you all day, as many times you can hear it to plethora, you know, during pregnancy, you get all this unsolicited advice about, you know, how the baby's going to be, how, you know, your life is going to change, how your view of love is going to change your view of the world, your empathy, you know, your instincts and, you know, things like not being able to have time for yourself. Like when you're pregnant and you're napping, people are like, take advantage of that because once the baby comes, you're not going to know sleep. You're (laughs) going to be so happy to have an hour for yourself. Like being able to go to the gym is like a gift from God. Yeah. So it's insane, but I'm part of the motherhood gang now. It's so fresh for you too, because your baby girl is, how old is she now? Is she four months? Three months. Three months. Oh my gosh. Wow. So you're like very, very fresh, still in the new mom stage. And I definitely want to get into all of that. But first, Mm -hmm. I want to back up really quickly. I would love for you to just like back up and tell me a little bit about your childhood, kind of how you were raised. Like, just tell me your story. 
Okay. So yeah. So I was born in Miami, lived in Miami for a little bit. Then my family moved up to Jacksonville, Florida. And also back that up. I have a brother. He is 16 months older than me. Oh, wow. So that's like Irish twins, right? Maybe. I don't know. Is that Irish twins when you get pregnant after you give Yeah. I yeah. I think to be considered Irish twins, I think you have to be within the range of like 20 months apart or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah, we're Irish twins. Okay. Polar opposites, but yeah. <laughs> and so I grew up here. I had a great childhood. You know, I was absolutely blessed. Um, I don't look back on my childhood. And luckily for me, you know, not so, so many people are not so lucky to have this. Right. But my parents are amazing. They're together still. Growing up, we were just in private schools, very strict parents, like extremely strict. I got nothing below a B my entire life. <laughs> and it was all sports. I did basketball for 10 years, dancing for six, you know, and was always in a sport. I've been traveling ever since I was, I want to say two. My mom took me with her to Africa, to the Middle East, to wow. Europe, everywhere. Because my mom's job is a defense contractor for the U.S. government. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, she's got a big job, big, big job. So, I traveled with her a bunch when I was, I want to say 11. We were on our way to Uganda. We stopped in New York and I didn't know this at the time, but now that I'm watching the shows on TV, now I know because she just told me, you know, the Jack Ryan shows? Yeah. Yeah. So I met the real Jack Ryan in person when I was 11 because my mom had a meeting with him. It was, his name was like Jack Levine. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. Your mom is a badass. Right? A hundred percent. She's awesome. And my dad is a foot surgeon. You oh, know, cool. so my parents have pretty great jobs, but you know, they have high expectations as they should. You know, and we were raised really, really well. Very close with my grandparents, but you know, I don't have a big family. My husband has a massive, massive family. But yeah, my childhood was great. The only hiccup of my childhood which I think is important to talk about because a lot of kids go through this. Most people go through this, but I was bullied really badly. Oh, yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So it was kind of always going on from when I was in kindergarten all the way up until I graduated high school. I got it really, really badly. First, kids would just pull me by my ears, call me Dumbo because I had ears that stuck out really bad, oh. which I ended up when I was 12, my mom had them pinned back when I was getting transferred to my third school. I transferred four different schools because of it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But because I did basketball and I was really intensive in basketball, mm -hmm. kind of followed me everywhere because people knew who I was. Right. And uh, I would just do the things in movies, eat lunch in the bathrooms and cry. I just wasn't the pretty girl. I wasn't ugly per se, but like, I wasn't seen as pretty or like popular. And yeah, I had a really tough time with that. And it wasn't until I was transferring to my fourth school. Um, I went to private school my whole life up until middle of my sophomore year. My parents are very strict on private school because, you know, the education and everything and X, Y, Z. But unfortunately, with private schools, it seems that there tends to be a bit more of intensive bullying because it's got kind of, you know, more or less, let's just say like a rich kid feel to it. Yeah, it's more prestigious and, you know, mm -hmm. uppity. 
first it was a Catholic school. I went to Catholic school with all the nuns and all of that. Wow. Yeah. That's an experience in itself. Like nuns told my mom she was going to hell for a certain way that she was raising me. A priest told me I was going to hell for <gasps> reading the last song and I left it in mass because every Tuesday we had to go to mass. Yeah. And I left it in because before that was English and I was reading the last song. Very chill book. And I had left it in the church and forgot about it. And then everyone's in class and they call the whole school. And need I remind you, this school is pre-K to eighth grade. Oof. So hundreds of kids wow. called them all back to church. And the priest was at the front, held up the book and said, whose book is this? And I was like, I was like, mine. And then he was like, come up here, young lady. So I go up, mosey on up. And basically, moral of the story, he's like, everyone let this be an example for you. This young lady right here is an example of what will get you into hell. This book has premarital sex. You know, I literally left. I cried, called my mother. My mother picked me up. And then she had a nun tell her she was going to hell. That is so humiliating. You have no idea. Like you couldn't wear makeup to school. I had horrible acne growing up. And in religion class, my teacher, I would just do anything to cover it up. Because you know how insecure you are when you're young and you're awkward. And I would just wear teensy, teensy bits to just try and cover it up. My mom would do it for me in the morning. Yeah. And then I'm in religion class and the teacher looks at me. She's like, Brittany, come here. Go up to her desk. She's like, you're wearing makeup. I'm like, no, I'm not. She's like, you're wearing makeup. I'm like, no, I'm not. I promise. She takes a fucking baby wipe, wipes my face, <gasps> goes like this, and is like, class, is Brittany wearing makeup? Oh, my God. This is literally like something straight out of a movie. Yeah. How old were you at this point? I was in seventh grade. Oh, my gosh. That's like mm-hmm. the most vulnerable time in your life. Yeah. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Wow. But- yeah, so I went from there. Halfway through my eighth grade year, though, like I had a horrible time in the lunchroom, like literally <sighs> stuff from a movie. So one of the teachers calls my mom and they're like, your daughter needs to be picked up. She's not okay, basically. <sighs> and that was my last day at that school. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Transferred to a super tiny school that had like 30 kids per grade. So went there for the remainder of the year, graduated, then went to another school called Providence. And uh, it was a big basketball school. Funny thing, I wanted to go pro for basketball. Oh, wow. So I went there and the bullying just still followed me there. Like, I don't even want to say some of the rumors because they're so up. They're really mean. Like, Kids really, can be really so mean. cruel, especially yeah. at that age. Uh-huh. Basically... I was sick and tired of it my sophomore year. And I was like, okay, I'm done with private schools. I need to find a way to get out of the private school system. And I always wanted to go to public school. I'm like, I don't want to wear these stupid uniforms. I want to dress however I want. You know, I'm going to go someplace where no one knows me. Yeah. And uh, start over. mm -hmm. So I found a school at the beach called Fletcher. It's literally like a block away from the beach, which is awesome. Amazing. Yeah, but I'm not zoned for it. The school I was zoned for is called Sandalwood, and it's really ghetto, really, really ghetto. It's like a D school. So I was like, how do I get to go to my dream school? And so I found out they have this program called ACE. It's done through Cambridge. And basically, you have to get accepted into it. You have to meet a certain degree of, you know, athletic, I mean, not athletic, um, academic, (laughs) academic requirements. Uh And uh, 
you have to go and do tests, get accepted into it. So I, I was like, okay, so I won't be going to a public school. I'll be in this ACE program. And this ACE program will allow me to graduate high school with, you know, over a freshman year done in college. We won't have to pay tuition. I'm going to be in classes separate. Yeah. Cause tuition for private school is like $20,000. It's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, so I was like, I'll be separated away from the other kids, you know, so you won't have to worry about anything about that, like guns at school and none of that. Cause the only classes that I get with all the students are like extracurriculars, like pottery or like gym, you know, other than that, I I'm in my specific ACE classes and I could either do ACE or AP. And like some people graduated with, I want to say like they're up to three years done in college already going through this oh, program. Oh my God. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So basically, and I got accepted into it and I went to school there and it was really awesome. It was Yay. really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Good. So it's a happy ending, but yeah, I think sometimes too, we have to go through those really hard times as oh adolescents in order to grow from it. I'm sure it taught you so much about everything and just it probably made you have really thick skin too. Like what's one thing that you feel like you took away from being bullied so much in in your upbringing? Well, the biggest thing for me is to not be mean to people. Yeah. It's hard for me to be mean to people. Because you know how it feels to be on the other side. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Making friends with people, just smiling. You never know who needs a smile. Because a lot of people you know, have met me and they're like, you're so much nicer in person than I thought you'd be. I'm like, that's crazy. I don't see that because I also don't see myself in the perception as everyone else. Right. Because I did get bullied for so long. And for up until I was about 20 or 21, it affected my confidence. Now, total different story. I'm 26, you know. You've just come into your own. Yeah. And especially like over the past, like, two, three years, my life has done major, major changes. And I feel like I'm a completely different person, different woman. But the bullying, you don't really know what someone's going through also. So try to keep in the back of your head, you may be having a bad day, but so may someone else. Or don't judge a book by its cover, especially when it comes to social media. Most people will look at people and be like, they live the best life. Like, no, we all go through the same struggles you do. We just don't show it because that's not really part of the gig, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's such an important message that I feel like needs to be spread. Because I mean, like, as an outsider looking in on your social media, I'm sure everybody has this perception, like, you have zero problems. Nothing's ever happened to you. You live this amazing, extravagant life where you get to travel around the world and do all of these things. But it's like... That's just our highlight reel. 100%. Yeah. And everybody goes through these struggles and everybody has these moments in their lives where, you know, you feel like shit. So I'm so glad that you brought that up and you talked about that and you shared it because, yeah, I think that it's such an important message. And especially nowadays with kids and social media and their access to it, I just, I am so thankful that I did not grow up in a time where there was that in my face at all times. Me too. And I don't know about you, but I am semi-worried for my kids. Yes, me too. Like my daughter, seeing how kids are now, like eight-year-olds have phones, like 
all of this yeah, and everyone like even in Disney shows they're talking about likes and oh, social God. media and all this and amount of followers and I'm like it really makes me nervous in their public school system with everything you see I don't know if you watch the news I don't really watch it but sometimes like I feel like it watches me like it's in my face so oh, I can't 100%. not see it I love that yeah <laughs> and right now the way the world is I don't want to put my I'm gonna homeschool my daughter I want my child to get a real proper education. The education system doesn't really teach you the necessary tools you need. Traveling taught me more than any education ever could. Hands down. I agree. I'll say that. Like traveling and experiences will give you so much knowledge than a book. Don't get me wrong. Books are important. You need to study. I went through crazy studies growing up. You know, I graduated top 10 of my class, but Pythagorean theorem, all that stuff doesn't really stick with me now. Does that apply to real life? No. Right? Yeah. I was having this conversation the other day. Like, what things that we learn in school are really applicable to life? Like, I saw this really funny meme, and I think this is why I brought up the conversation. It's like, there was this meme that said, you know, I just want to go to school and learn how to do my taxes. And then it showed a photo of, you know, Austin Powers being like, men get their periods, (laughs) you know, and that's what they're teaching kids in public school. And it's like, oh my God, why did I never learn anything about finances? Why didn't, why don't I know how to do my taxes? Why don't I know, you know, so many of these things that you actually need in life, like they're not teaching kids in school. So yeah, it's, It's a little scary to think about sometimes. It keeps creeping up faster and faster, like a hunter just turned two. And now I have to think about, you know, putting him in preschool. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't even want to put him in preschool. So anyways, I'm I'm really glad that you brought that up and shared that story. So after you graduated high school, how did you kind of end up because you lived in Hawaii after high school or yes you've lived in a lot of different places so tell me what happened after that. yeah I've lived in a lot of different places so after that I applied to go to college and back up a little bit there was one highlight part before I transferred to my other school I lost like 40 pounds I changed like my health and fitness oh yeah talk to me about that what did you do and why did you decide to do that Because I was bullied really badly and I had horrible self-confidence. I wouldn't even be able to look in a mirror without crying. Like my mom would take me shopping and I would put on clothes and I would cry because I felt ugly and fat in them. And also not to downplay what boys or guys go through, but it is a lot of pressure being a woman and being a a girl, especially like a teenage girl at that. The amount of pressure to be beautiful is ridiculous. It's ridiculous and the standards go higher and higher. But exactly. But anyways, yeah. So I was going to a new school in my mind. I was like, okay, I'm done with this. You know, I want to be able to look in a mirror at myself. I want to love myself and I want to accept myself. I'm sick and tired of hearing everyone's voices echo and I want to be beautiful and I want to eat healthier because I was already very active. I did extremely intense sports, but my diet was horrible. And when I was sad, I would eat really bad. And uh, it was when I was transferring to the school at the beach, I was like, okay, Brett, you're going to school at the beach. There's going to be all these kids, the beach, all tan, you know, it's a whole different environment. You can make yourself whoever you want to be. And so my mom got me a personal trainer and I was a big bookworm. So I wanted to read up all the knowledge I could about dieting and I changed my whole diet. 
Um, I actually maybe went a little intensive, but when I was 11, though, this was before I stopped trying to lose weight. I stopped eating meat because my cousin showed me a PETA video. When you're uh, 11, yeah, that'll do that it. stuff really scares you. And she yeah. was older than me. She's like four years older than me. I looked up to her. She was like my best yeah. friend. I thought she was the coolest chick on the block. And so she was doing it. She was like in her M&M phase at the time. Like, you know, when, <laughs> back in like mid to late 2000s, you know, that era of middle school yep. kids. Yeah. yeah, that was her. Yeah. But yeah. And so I stopped eating meat. So I wasn't eating meat at this time already. But I was consuming a ton of dairy and, uh, you know, a bunch of fried food, eating really awfully. And also, I think your mental health has a big impact on your physical health. 100%. When your mental health is poor and when you see yourself as poor, you will manifest that and your body will accumulate just this sort of negative energy and negative aura and you will manifest what you want. It's so powerful. The powerful of manifestation is very, very underestimated by most people. People who know, know. The people who don't get it should get it. But that's a whole different can of worms. And... uh, you know, I adapted the vegan diet. And that was when I was about 14, I think. Oh, wow. That's young. Yeah. And so I did all this crazy research. And this was when I was 14 was like 2011, 2012. So like none of the trendy vegan stuff now, like there's vegan restaurants. All oh, yeah. Pla- this is before none it was of that cool existed. to be vegan. No. Yeah. I made everything from scratch. I was like, like my own cooking show, basically. Like That's I made dedication. my own desserts from scratch. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, how else was I going to eat? My parents were like, go for it. As long as you're healthy, do your thing. But we don't know how to do what you're doing. Right. We're going to make lasagna. So whatever you want to <laughs> do, you can go ahead and join us, but we don't know how to do this. And I was like, That's okay. I'll do it. Cause I was very, very hardworking, very determined. I was working out like five times a week, very dedicated to that changed my diet. It was hard at first, but then, you know, I started to realize, oh my God, the food that I eat is the fuel for how good I'm going to feel. Food that I eat is what powers my body. Yes, it tastes good. And I'm so thankful that God gave us, you know, taste buds so we can literally enjoy the heck out of all this food. But also it's what gives us our body, the nutrients we need to exist. So yeah. And I was making my own desserts, making my own cheeses, making my own everything. Wow. And yeah, and eventually that's what led me to want to pursue my college degree in nutrition. So I, when I was 17, I published a health book. Oh, I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. I have a published book. It's called Nature's Way. You know, it's like an 80 page book and it's about the ultimate guide to health and understanding our bodies. Because what I was noticing at that time when I was 17, I was like, okay, there is nothing that educates kids on what we should eat. Nothing in school is telling me how I should eat, what it does for my body, how to listen to my body when I get a headache, nope. what it means. When yeah. when I'm craving you know, ice cream, it means I need calcium or fats in my system. All of that down to, you know, the water we have, like what the proper things our body needs and how everyone's body is different. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write an 80 page book that sounds like someone sitting down having a conversation with me. But I say in words that someone my age would be able to understand what nutrition is. In layman's terms. Yeah, exactly. Because you open up a health book and it's 500 pages of scientific shit. 
yeah. that you can get through a one paragraph and you're like, I could use fries right now. I'm going to take yeah. a break. You know, <laughs> like I could eat. <laughs> yep. I've been there before. Yeah. So yeah, I did that and I published that. What is it called again? Nature's Way. Nature's Way. Okay. Yeah. You can find it on Amazon. Amazing. Yeah. Little fun fact. That's very impressive that you did that at 17. Yeah. Thanks. You should be very proud. Thank you. So when it came time to apply for college, I was like, I want to be a nutritionist. At the time, what I wanted to do, which, you know, I still love this dream for me, but life took a big different course. I was going to study um, nutrition and wanted to kind of go towards a path to a new age sort of Nike, but health version, you know, because I also loved fashion. Right. So, and I've always had an eye for like wanting to design. I mean, everyone's doing it now. So it may sound lame saying I want to design my own athleisure wear. But yeah, 17 year old me was like, this is what we're going to do, Britt. Like, giddy up, let's go. So um, I applied to like UCLA, Santa Barbara, FAU was my backup school, FAU and UCF, because I knew basically anywhere I applied, I was going to get accepted. But Hawaii was my number one because Hawaii actually had a kick-ass nutrition program. So yeah, I applied to Hawaii. Within two weeks, I got my acceptance letter. My parents, though, were livid. They were like, Brit, you want to go to school on the other side of the world. You (laughs) couldn't have picked a further university if you tried. I'm like, no, I couldn't. I'm pretty sure this is the furthest one. Love you. I can relate because I did the same exact thing coming from Maine, going to Hawaii. I went to UH as well on Big Island. I didn't know you were from... Oh, yeah. I'm from Maine. So like as far away as you can get from Hawaii. Yeah. I was like, it's been real and it's been fun, but it hasn't been real fun. I'm going to go. Like the island (laughs) life is actually calling me, which is actually when I was nine, my parents took my brother and I to Hawaii. And my dad told me this story the first year he came out to visit me. Because I only got to see my family once, maybe twice a year. You know, I'm on the other side of the planet. Right. But my dad told me when he was visiting, he was like, Britt, you know, when you were a little girl, when we came to visit our first day there, we stayed at the Hilton, you know, the big Hilton, Hawaiian Village, you know, all that. Which is funny because I ended up living a block away from there when I moved there. Trippy. But he was like, you know, when we were on the beach that evening, he was like, you looked up at me and said, Daddy, when I'm older, I'm going to live here. Oh my gosh. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. And I didn't even remember saying that. But that just all comes back to like your thing about manifestation. Like you fully manifested that in your life. A hundred percent. Don't get me wrong. Like my brain and my looks have gotten me far in life, but my manifestation is what I actually did it. You give a lot of credit to. Oh, a hundred percent. So Two days after I graduated high school, I was in Hawaii. Two days after? Two days oh, after. You were so like, ready. You were like, peace. <laughs> I was like, Saya, I'm out of here. Yeah. And, you know, moved out there. Sometimes I get mad at myself for moving from, because I was in Hawaii, then I moved to Bali. Yeah, I know. I want to talk about that too. Yeah. I lived in Bali for like six months. And then I was in Australia, then back. And I was like, I wish I would have stayed in Hawaii instead of going to LA after all of those. Because I bounced around so much. 
Yeah. But if I could have anything my way right now, my husband, my daughter and I would be living in Hawaii. Like I keep up with all my friends who still live in Hawaii. And I know. a lot of them have kids now too. And I'm like, I want to have my little baby on the beach and I want to do all that with my little Kiki. And I'm like, but. But you guys are in Florida now? You're in Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's nice that you're close to family, at least while she's still oh young. Oh my like gosh. Absolutely. Being close to family, it's been great. I'm in Jacksonville right now too. And I wasn't planning to stay in my hometown, but you know, I was, I was down in Miami and I had come up here for a little bit and I was going to go back down to Miami because modeling and everything X, Y, Z, but I met my husband and he's the reason I stayed. So in Hawaii is when you kind of started pursuing modeling, right? Yeah. You know, I never really thought that I was going to model, never really saw myself as a model, but I had lost a lot of weight and, you know, I did, I guess, look like model material, if mm-hmm. that's what you want to say. And I was actually, I was on the beach and one of the San Lorenzo reps saw me and she scouted me. So that's what landed my first shoot. Yeah, I remember when San Lorenzo was just like the brand that every girl wanted to shoot for, at least in Hawaii. Yeah. But that's major. That's big time. Yeah. Meanwhile, you were going to school too, right? During all Mm -hmm. of this? Yes. So during all this, I was doing school part-time and I actually continued to do school while I was in Bali and everything. Oh, okay. But I will be honest, I actually didn't end up getting my degree. That's okay. Me either. Yeah, I didn't end up getting my degree because also nutrition in college tries to get you to be a nutritionist in a hospital. It wasn't quite what I wanted it to do. And my modeling career came in full force and, you know, with shoots and working and everything. And I was like starting to get swimwear brands email me and they were like, hey, we love your page. We love you. We want to send you suits. So and that's basically what started my content making you know, career as well. Yeah. Because I'm sure you're the same. I have a modeling career, but I also have a content creation career. Exactly. You know, you have all these different things. And in Hawaii, I partnered with a photographer out there and we were basically a one-stop shop. We would pitch proposals to brands and say, hey, we live in Hawaii. You want to make a killer swimwear campaign, but don't want to send your whole team out. Because when you think about it, Social media has been insane for brands because brands used to have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to send a whole team, get the models, get the set, get the where they're going to stay. Airfare and food and all of that would cost tens of thousands of dollars to get a whole team out to shoot their, you know, fall campaign or new collection drop. And then along came Instagram. And I feel like when you and I started modeling is when Instagram. It was the beginning. It was fresh. It's not like it is now to where it's like a game and everything is like an algorithm and it's confusing and annoying a lot. So yeah, we would just say to brands, you know, here's a mood board. Here's what we're going for. Because we would survey about up to 50 different brands. And, you know, with these brands, we would look at their style and we would originally started going for lower tier brands. You know, one of the first brands that we approached was this brand called Ohana Swim that's based out in Australia. I was the, I think the first or second person to model for them. Oh, wow. Now that brand has like a couple million 
followers now. Wow. They shot up. Like, that's amazing. It is crazy to see brands like that you worked with from the very beginning and they're now like through the roof. It is awesome. But yeah, so we would pitch to brands like, this is the beach we're going to do. We can get you, you know, X amount of looks. And here's his work, here's my work, and here's our work together. Let us know if you're interested. And we wouldn't talk money at first because you can't send a pitch no. and talk money because that no one wants to hear that at first. Everyone wants to hear the good. And then after you get a yes or no is when you discuss money. Exactly. So we would do that. And that's what really got the ball rolling for my Instagram. You know, and living in Hawaii, it's not hard to get to make beautiful, beautiful photos, content. Yeah. Right. And uh, next thing I knew it, my Instagram was just through the roof. And I was right. like, holy cow, this is crazy. And I was getting people from all over the world and brands from all over the world reaching out to me. And uh, during this time, I'm still doing one to two classes because I was making a lot of money. And I was like, this has the potential to be extremely lucrative. Granted, my family was like, you know, modeling isn't going to be a proper a sustainable clear. thing. So yeah. yeah, which yes and no is correct. You know, because right yeah. now I've pursued other things. Granted, I'll still do modeling here and there, but with yeah. the baby and having gone through the whole pregnancy, I'm kind of taking a break. <laughs> For sure. Because it's hard to adjust to all that. Yeah, it's really hard. And my focus is on my daughter. Exactly. But we were doing that. And then all of a sudden I had a modeling agency out in Bali reach out to me. And they were like, we want to sign you. We will get you a work visa so you can be here for six months legally. So 2017, I moved out to Bali. That's such a great opportunity. Oh my God. It was an amazing opportunity. As busy individuals and parents that are always on the go, it's nice to be able to utilize products that not only look good, but are functional as well. Ondar products are next level quality using highly sourced leather that helps minimize and organize what you carry. I'm a huge fan of the Indie, which is this gorgeous crossbody bag that they designed. And I can't tell you how convenient, durable, and cute it is. I got it in the color Crema, which is a nice neutral color that I can pair with anything when I'm on the go. I was recently in New York and it was so nice having the perfect size bag to just throw over my body with all my essentials in there. They also make backpacks, wallets, phone cases, and so much more. So for 15% off your order, just use code CherokeeLuker at checkout when you go to Ondar.com. That's code CherokeeLuker, capital C and capital L, for 15% off your order at Ondar.com. I'm not sure if you know, when I was out there, I got mugged. Yes, I wanted to talk to you about that. And mm-hmm. that, that accident, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what happened? So I was driving my motorbike. My photographer, Melina, we were on Noosa Limbongan shooting content for this little property of villas. They needed some content for their socials and their website. So we went out there and shot content for them. And we were there working hard for a couple days. I remember this whole thing like a freaking movie. It's crazy how these things play in slow motion in your head. 
Yeah. But we had just gotten back and it was a Friday and Fridays in Bali, everyone goes down to old man's in Changu. And she was going through a rough time because she had some, you know, boy troubles going on that was really messing with her. And she was having a little bit of money issues before then. And so, and we come back to, um, on Island and we have to get a boat back. Then we're in the taxi back. I look at her and I'm like, you know what? Let's go out. I'm like, we just got paid. It's Friday. Fuck the boys. Let's go have some fun. So she was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. I was like, I'm going to cheer you up. Let's go. You know, we have everything to celebrate, nothing to look down on. Let's go live. So I get dropped off at my place first. She lives and lived in Changu and I lived in the little rice paddies just before Changu. Okay. And so stopped there and basically I just changed and dropped off my, because I had my passport with me, dropped off my passport changed, got my bag and then hopped on my scooter and then was headed over to her place. Yeah. Cause we were going to meet at her place and then go out on my way there. I had stopped at one of the shops and I was going to surprise her with chocolate and her favorite bottle of wine too, to cheer her up. Yeah. And uh, so I go in there and get it and I'm on my way out and I'm on my bike and I had headphones in and my number one mistake was to the day of me. Sometimes I may choke up talking about some of this stuff because I haven't talked about it in so long. It's okay. It's a traumatic experience. Yeah. I had my bag around me. I didn't put it in my scooter. That's the mistake that made this moment happen for the most part. And I didn't have a helmet on either, which is, yeah. And so I'm driving and I've got my headphones in and I was blasting Portland by Drake. Like I remember everything from the sound to the moment where I was. It's so funny. I've been in a car accident before and it's so funny how you remember just like the down to every single detail, the smells, the sounds, just like every single Mm -hmm. thing in slow motion in your mind because it's just etched in there. Oh, yeah. So now I bet when you listen to Portland Now by Drake, you're like, I can't. (laughs) No, but you would think that you would think that. Are you still okay with it? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I'm totally okay. okay. You know, I'm honestly quite thankful for this experience Yeah. at the end of the day. But yeah, so I'm driving and the main streets, yes, they have light because of the restaurants, but when you're not on a main street, everything is pitch black. Right. Yeah. And so, um, driving through towards the beginning part of Changu and you come around a bend and then there's a couple restaurants and then there's about like, 500 yards of just pitch black. And then there's a little street light. And there are two rice patties there on the sides. And I'm in this area. It's pitch black, but like, I am very fearless. I live very fearlessly. I see life in more so I'm going to go for it and dive off the deep end. And whatever happens was meant to happen. I don't approach things and say, I hope this doesn't happen. Because right. you don't in my live opinion, in that's fear. just a horrible way to live. No, I don't. No, it's it's the worst way to live is fear-based living. No, yeah. absolutely not. No. So yeah, I'm driving and then you know how like your gut will tell you, like you can feel when someone's staring at you or someone's hovering behind you or something. Yeah. My gut was like, something's going on. And I'm going like probably kicking like 30 miles an hour on yeah. my scooter and no helmet, headphones in got my bag on my right side. 
And this, everything happens like, like in a matter of a split second, but in your brain, it's slow motion. I feel someone hovering over my back shoulder. And then all of a sudden I feel a tap. And for the split second, my brain thought it was someone that I knew because I lived there. I knew everyone there. I knew everyone visiting and everyone goes to old man's on Friday at this time. I don't know what it's like now because I haven't been back in years. And so I thought it was one of my friends being like, yo, Britt, what's up? And it was like this. I look over and then it's two local men on a scooter. And the time it happened was the last weekend of May. And that's Ramadan. And if people aren't familiar with Ramadan, a lot of crime happens in Bali during Ramadan. Bali is actually a very, very dangerous place if you don't know what you're doing. And so it's two men. I look over and the man on the front is driving. The man on the back is doing all the work. So he takes his, they're on my right side. So he takes his leg, kicks me (gasps) as I'm driving this whole time, kicks me in the side. I start to fall. He grabs my bags that are on me, rips them off. And I fly into their street. (gasps) Like, yeah. And then they drive off with everything. My phone, my money, my, I'm so lucky. I dropped my passport off at my house because if I didn't, I would have been. Yeah. And yeah. And so I fly into the street the whole right side of my body was like shredded. Like my nipple was hanging. My oh. right hip bone was out. Like <gasps> my elbow, like you can still kind of see ah, some of the little scar right yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. You can see my hip scar and some, if you look on my Instagram, some of the photos and I still have it, but you know, it doesn't bother me. And yeah. And so my body was ripped to shreds by the grace of God. I didn't hit my head. Cause that, that should have killed me. You know, they find women in Bali dead who have gone through those circumstances. And the fact that you weren't wearing a helmet too. like Exactly. That is so lucky that yeah. nothing worse happened to it you. It gives me chills. Yeah, <laughs> it gives I, me I chills. I literally have chills all over right now. That's yeah. Crazy. And I fly into the road, but I have so much adrenaline kicking in my body. And the, yep. the bag that I had around me, it was an old little vintage Louis Vuitton. It was like this. It looks like something you would put your little phone in. Right, that right. That you hang on your body. Yeah. But it was my dad's mom's and she passed away when I was one. So oh. it was something that I had very sentimental to me. So then I try to get on my bike and chase after them, which is the worst thing ever. But I'm going to be honest about this. I'm not going to lie about it. Yeah. Because I had so much adrenaline going and I'm a Taurus. So I'm very stubborn and you know, I'm very like, no, like absolutely fucking not. I love you. Oh my God. <laughs> this is amazing. Like, not today. Not yeah. today. Um, I get on my bike and I start going, but obviously in the shape that I'm in, I can't do that. I black right. out. I, I fall back on the ground, black out, and a man finds me in the middle of the road. Was it a local? No. I believe this man was an angel because it was a very tall man with pure white hair, blue eyes, you know, just found me in the middle of the road. Wow. And brought me to where a medical like pharmacy was because they have little pharmacies scattered around and got supplies. And then my friend Melina was staying in a new place for the first time. I don't know how I knew where she lived because she never told me where she lived, but I like, I knew around where she was. But if you're in Bali, there's a million of these little places everywhere that it's really hard. Even if you know where you're staying, it's hard to find it. And all of this happened, I want to say three blocks from where her place was. And so you know, we get all this stuff and he's like, do you know where you're going? And my adrenaline, like if I get knocked down, I don't stay down. 
I come back up and the pain hadn't hit me yet. I was still shaking adrenaline. I was crazy. Everything had happened, how it happened. He was like, do you know where you're going? I'm like, I need to get to my friend Melina's house. I need to contact my family. So we go to her place and she's staying in like a complex. So there's a courtyard and then there's rows of different units. Right. And I'm in the courtyard and I'm screaming her name to come down at the top of my lungs because I didn't have a phone to contact her. Right. If you would have asked me to memorize a Balinese number, I'd say you're an idiot. I can't do that because it's like (laughs) plus six, two, whole different bunch of numbers. (laughs) Like, no, can't do that. Um, and she comes out and she was on like the fourth floor and she see my right, the, the right side of me is shredded, like literally dripping blood everywhere. And she looks down and I'm like, help. And then I pass out. Oh my God. Comes down. They take me up to her place. And needless to say, this man who found me is still here helping, which would sound sketchy at the time, but it was such a crazy experience, traumatic experience for her and I Yeah, that it was just a blessing that someone was there to help me. Because if he didn't find me in the middle of the road, I could have gotten ran over. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, how did you not get run over? Exactly. Exactly. So we're there and he's helping clean everything up because he said he has medical experience. And her and I were both like, what the fuck is going on? I was extremely delirious because I'm in a shock state. You I'm know? sure. Yeah. So he's trying to clean things up. And I'm like, Melina, I need your phone. She's like, what? I'm like, I need to contact my family. Cause by this time it was 11 PM, which means it was 11 AM my mom's time. So I WhatsApp my mom. Cause she uses WhatsApp for work. And I'm like, it's Brittany pick up the phone emergency. My mom picks up. Basically I'm like, so I need to let you know something bad has happened. I've been in an accident and I'm not okay. My phone is gone. All of my money's gone. My credit cards, my debit cards are all gone. I have my passport. I'm using my friend Melina's phone. She is going to text you a location. I need you to pull money out of my account and send it to this Western Union so I can get it with my passport. I can't talk right now. A man is here trying to help clean me up and I need medical attention right now. I'm alive and I'll talk to you tomorrow. I love you. Bye. Hung up scariest thing ever for any mother to hear, I bet. Oh my God. I cannot even imagine what your mom must have been feeling at that moment. Oh my God. I can't imagine. I can't. And I'm on the other side of the world. And needless to say, I stayed for like four more months after this. This experience didn't make me leave Bali. I stayed. Wow. That just speaks to how resilient and amazing you are. I mean, humans in general too. Like, It's just crazy how resilient we are as humans. The fact that you were able to pick yourself back up and even get back on your scooter just literally blows my mind. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I am lucky to be alive. And I'm lucky that within two weeks, I was able to, because for about a week straight, I had someone taking care of me. I couldn't, you know, do things on my own, especially where I was hit were like my bending parts on my body. So like my knees and everything. And you know, when you get a really bad cut, let alone like grind it up by asphalt. Yeah. You know, when your skin is healing, how it's like oozy and weird and crest is over. And when you go like that, everything kind of breaks it open again. But anyway, so back to the part about where I said this guy, I think he's my guardian angel. Yeah. So he was like, you know what Moringa is? Like Moringa oil or just like Moringa? Moringa in general. Yeah, yeah. 
So he used alcohol, cleaned everything up. And this pain is a couple levels under contractions and giving birth because <laughs> that takes the cake now. But at, <laughs> up until I had given birth, this was the most painful thing ever, getting all these wounds cleaned because hospitals in Bali are very sketchy. They're not yeah. good. You can't go to a hospital in Bali. And this man um, knew what he was doing and was helping me. And he cleaned everything up. But you know, at this point, they're open wounds. The dirt's out of them, but they're open wounds. The dirt's kind of out of them. He asked me, he's like, are you familiar with Moringa? And I was like, yes. He's like, will you trust me to come back? He was like, I need to go get supplies. I have supplies. I will come back and finish everything. Wow. And I was delirious. So I was like, whatever. Like I was laying on the bed. I had blacked out like a few times while he was doing this. Like I would wake up. It would be excruciating and painful. I'd like pass out. And then I'd like wake back up while he's in the middle of it. And it was just a cycle of that oh, um, until he had gotten all of them. And he looked at my friend and was like, you need to stay here and watch her. Watch her take care of her. I will be back in 30 minutes tops comes back in 30 minutes with a jar of this green fine powder. Yeah. He's like, this is Moringa powder. He's like, this is the only healer you need. He's like, this will heal all of your wounds and you will be healed in two weeks, which is, it seems physically impossible with the extent of the injuries that I had. So basically he gets this Moringa powder and pats it atop of my open wounds if you think alcohol hitting a cut is painful, Moringa, it just, because what it does is it heals your body completely and it promotes the healing cycle, your cells. And it literally like within days of having it on top, I could see dirt pulling itself out. And yeah, so basically he used Moringa powder to heal my wounds. What an angel. Right? So my friend was watching me for about a week and a half until, you know, I was able to return back to my place and, you know, I could walk. But for a while, I couldn't even get out of bed. And so he would come every other day to replace my bandages and, you know, clean it and do the whole process over again because it was all oozing and everything. And so he would have to take them off, reapply it, put it back on. And he was like, on top of this, you need to have honey and bee pollen. So he did all this for about a week and a half. And then the last time he came to see me, I had gotten a new local phone by then because my mom was shipping a phone to one of my friends who you actually interviewed recently, Paulina. Paulina lived with me for a little bit. In oh Bali. my gosh. Wow. It's yeah. such a small world. Yeah. So, and Paulina was coming from Australia. So I was like, had my mom e um, ship my new phone to her. And then Paulina was going to bring it to me. So, he was communicating with texting me and then he had come and he was like, okay, this is the last one. He's like, you're, you're healed. He's like, after this, you got it yourself. Your body's healing nicely. Cause at this point it had, you know, stopped oozing. I still had to wear bandages over it, like the big thick cloth ones, but you know, it wasn't to the point to where I couldn't really walk or anything. He was right. like, I think you've got it from here. He's like, you're healing nicely. Everything is great. You know, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. Then he left. And ever since then, like, it's like he doesn't even exist. He just disappeared from your life? He literally disappeared. You don't have his contact info? I had his contact info and that number, like, didn't exist after that. What? Yeah. 
That is crazy. Yeah. You need to find this man. Right? But also, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was an angel. Yeah. It's also kind of beautiful in a way that he just like came, healed you, saved your life essentially, and then just like walked 100%. out of your life and just like floated away. He was like, you, you can, you've got it here now. Like, you're good from here. <laughs> right? That is right? amazing. And I'm like, it's a very tall person with like all white, like pure white hair, blue eyes. Yeah. And it's not like you were hallucinating this no. or anything because he had been coming back. He had been back. coming to help. And you that can ask my friend crazy. who met him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What was his name? He said, you can call me your angel. He literally, what? Oh my God. Okay. It's trippy. It's really trippy. That's and so you, like the, the odds of a doctor from Germany finding you in the middle of the road when you're in an accident. Like, please explain those odds to me. It's a very big blessing. That is amazing. And so like that experience, as traumatic as it was, I'm sure it had to have, you know, changed your perspective on a lot of things. Like, how did it change your perspective? To the point to where tomorrow isn't given. At that time, I would be worried or thinking so far ahead about, you know, the future and sometimes forgetting to live in the moment. Yeah. And that within a matter of seconds, I could have not existed. And I was thinking about stressing about the next week when, you know, that happened. And I'm like, I could have not made it to tomorrow. And so what that taught me is life is very precious. You wake up and life isn't given to you for no reason. Like you, you are blessed to fall asleep and wake up and have a new day filled with so many opportunities and things that are taken for granted. Yeah. You know, the fact that we're healthy, the fact that we can walk around and move around and right. enjoy life and smile and the smallest things we take for granted. So that the biggest thing that taught me is you can't take life for granted. And also you need to tackle life and anything that you want to do, any of your things that you want to go for in life, you need to go for it because you don't know when you're not going to be able to do those things. Let's say you really want to book that one way and go somewhere, but you're scared yeah. to do it, do it. Because as scary as it may be, you do not want to look back on your life and say, I, if I could do everything all over again, this is how I would do. I right. refuse to live like that. I don't want to live like that. And it set a path for me to be like, okay, stop taking life for granted. If you want something, go for it. That Don't is such a beautiful back. reminder. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that so much. And like, yeah. that's what I mean about, you know, you have to go through the darkest hours in order to come through on the other side and see the light. Like, Absolutely. It's a constant, you know, ebb and flow of like darkness mm -hmm. and light. You don't know light without dark, you know, because with darkness, we're able to be aware of light. It's the yin and the yang. Because otherwise, everything would just be this constant state. Same thing with good days and bad days. You don't know the good days until you have a bad day. And the bad doesn't stay there forever because without the bad, you won't be able to hold on to the good. And you won't be able to be thankful for the good and aware of the good. Exactly. Oh, such a good reminder. Okay, there's so many other things that I want to talk about. But I definitely want to start diving into your motherhood journey. And like, first, we can start like how you and your husband met, 
And you guys decided to keep it a surprise, right? The fact that you were pregnant for a while. Yeah. Up until I want to say I was, I think I was six or seven months. Wow. Okay. So how did you guys meet? We knew each other from high school. He's four years older than me. And I didn't think he knew who I was just because he was like the most popular guy in school, big baseball. Like he was a pitcher and he was dating like the most popular, you know, girl in school. I was a little freshman, you know, I didn't think I was even on his radar. And so we were aware of each other from there. And then, but I'd never spoken to him in my life. You know, then I left and got Instagram and my Instagram went off. So everyone in my hometown was like, Jason, Brittany, Jason. So everyone knew me and following along with what I was doing. And so, and he had always been, you know, watching me over the years. And then basically 2021, I am back in Jacksonville and, you know, I'm not living here. I'm just visiting. And it was October 30th, 2021. I am out at the beach bars with one of my friends and I was going through a kind of hard place. Like 2020 and 2021 were a rough patch for me. I had a lot of serious mental health struggles and personal battles that people who are close to me know, but social media doesn't know anything. What was that due to? And we don't have to talk about it if you don't feel comfortable whatsoever. No, it's fine. You know, with family things and, uh, you know, living out in LA, I had a good experience, but I also didn't because LA is also a rough city. Especially when you're that age. Yeah. And I really was so desperate to make friends. My heart isn't really built for the intensity of the people in Hollywood. Yeah. Everyone had different intentions than me and I only see the best in everyone. And I got taken advantage of really badly. And, and then I came back here and I had, you know, a death in the family that wrecked me. Mm, I'm sorry. I had an ex relationship that ended really badly. And my mental health was really, really struggling. And I also found out that I had a cyst, which I still have now. Maybe, I don't know. I haven't gotten it checked out since before I was pregnant, but I found out I had a cyst on my pineal gland. So I had really bad health problems. I was in and out of the hospital like twice a month, you know, sick five days a week, migraines that were like really, really crazy chronic migraines to where like I couldn't even get out of bed. You know, my vision was all messed up. It was really bad. It would hospitalize me like once or twice a month. And I was potentially going to need brain surgery. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so anyways, I'm out. And, you know, when you're in a down place, you try and just go out and like, Mask it. You know, yeah, mask it. You know, and I just wanted to be like, I want to go out and have fun. I don't want to pay attention to all of this, XYZ. So I'm out at the bars trying to enjoy myself with my friend, but I'm having the worst time ever. Trying to go out in Jacksonville is like a high school reunion that you never asked for. It's horrible. Oof, yeah. Yeah. And everyone's like plastered drunk and I'm not. I've never really been the type to get plastered. Yeah. So I'm just like, this is uncomfortable, you know? And then I get a notification on my phone. And it's super lame to say this, but I don't really care. I think it's cute. Um, He reached out to me on Snapchat. And I'm not the type to ever, right? I'm not the type to ever, you know, get a message from someone on Snapchat and be like, oh my God, Brittany J. First off, if someone sends me a message saying Brittany Jason, I know they're 
first like point of reference about me is my Instagram because it's right. my Instagram handle. A lot of people be like, Brittany Jason, Brittany Jason. And I'm like, no, my name is Brittany. No one uses first and last names, right? but whatever. So basically he was like, Hey, what are you doing? Do you want to hang out? I have never in my life just gotten a message from someone that I like, basically he was a stranger, you know, right. I was aware of who he was. I knew of him, but like, I didn't know he knew I existed when I was younger. And also now it's like, to me, you're a stranger. I get one message from a stranger and I'm like, done. Yeah, let's hang out. Like, I'm not that easy. No. But at the time I was like, I'm so over this, whatever. And my gut was like, you know what, Brittany, go hang out with him. Screw this, leave, go hang out with him. And I left, he picked me up. And ever since then, we've only spent two days apart. Oh, oh my gosh. We've been together ever since that night. I love that. That's so cute. I'm such a hopeless romantic. So I love little oh cute God, stories like that. And he's the sweetest. He's super tall. I'm like five, seven and a half. And he's six, four. He's a giant. So he towers over you. Oh yeah. He towers over me. And uh, the sweetest ever. He's such an empathetic, like sweet soul, really oh. funny, like loves everything about me. Makes me feel like the most beautiful woman in the world. I'm so head over heels like about him. And ever since the moment we hung out, I was like, he's the one. And it all boils down to the fact that if I wasn't visiting my hometown or if I didn't say yes to hanging out with him, I wouldn't have my family. It's crazy. And also I wouldn't have stayed in Jacksonville. You know, if he hadn't have reached out to me, I would be off who knows where. And I had always struggled with love, you know? Yeah, And especially when you're traveling so much and being a model, you don't really attract the right type of love. You attract kind of like the fuck boy love. And I was a mega hopeless. I mean, I still am mega hopeless romantic. Like I love the mushy stuff. I love it so much. I could cry. (laughs) Oh, I love that. And now you guys have a cute little family. And yeah, I always think about just like the smallest, tiny little moments in our lives change the whole trajectory of everything. A hundred percent. So like if you hadn't answered his message, it's kind of like the butterfly effect. I always talk about that movie where just like the smallest little second can change the whole entire outcome of your entire life. But that's a beautiful story. And I'm sure that just from the way that you describe him, he sounds like he is an amazing father, I'm sure. He's great. Oh my God, he's amazing. Like motherhood itself is beautiful, but seeing your husband and seeing your partner with with your, your child. child, especially a daughter, like a daddy and a daughter is like, oh my God, I know. I'm sure it melts your heart on a daily basis. Absolutely melts my heart. It does. And yeah. And so we've been together for almost two years. We weren't really planning. We weren't like not, not planning. And I kind of had baby fever, but I wasn't ready to have a baby, you know? Yeah. I feel like you're never ready though. Like everybody says, like, there's never really a perfect time. You never feel 100% ready. So you just got to do it. I feel like the only time you're ready is when you're in your mid thirties and you're like, shit, I want a baby. That's true. Yeah. 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 You're trying, you know? Right. But yeah. And I have a nephew, Beckett, who is going to be two. So there was already a little bit, which actually Beckett and my daughter, Celine are 16 months in age difference. So the exact same age difference oh, as my so brother and I. Brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that name too, Beckett. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And Celine. Celine is beautiful. Thanks. 
Not like Celine Dion though, with an S. No, it's an S. Yeah. With an S. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of people be like, oh my God, Celine Dion. And I'm like, no, Celine with an S. We named her after the moon goddess. Yeah. I love it. It's so beautiful. So I know that it's still so fresh for you. So like, I wanted to ask you, what's one thing that you're really loving about motherhood? And then what's one thing that you're really struggling with? So one thing that I'm absolutely loving about motherhood is how rewarding it is, you know, and the amount of pure love you have around you all the time, like bringing a baby into the world completely changes your whole body. I love who it's made me. Yes. I love what being a mother has made me. It has completely changed me, changed my perspective on the world. And you don't know what love is really until you have a kid. Like for a moment when you first hold your baby, your entire being just breaks. Yeah. And it's like scientifically as well. Our whole entire chemistry changes. Yeah. And the maternal instincts and everything, but all the cuddles and just watching her grow, watching her reach new milestones. You know, she smiles and giggles now. And she like, she's obsessed with holding my hands, but she'll like, lay there and like she'll make eye contact with you and just smile and giggle and because I breastfeed her yeah so she's very like mommy 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 everything about mommy like if I leave a room she's like where's my mom or if I like she hears my voice she's like I need her so I mean I guess that's a lot it's hard to say what one thing I'm loving is because there is so much about it that I love and I love watching you know, my husband, Zach, be the father he is to her. Yeah. And I love seeing my family, how they are with her. And I just, hell, I love looking at her. I like watching her sleep. That's not creepy. I mean, I'm sure you get it. I think every mom can relate. You literally Uh, just sit there and stare. It's like, it's the best. I'm like, I love you so much. How is it possible to make something so perfect? I know. Like, how... People say having a kid changes you and you don't know what love is until you have a kid. And you're all, I'm always like, I would be like, yeah, okay, I'm sure. Because I have two dogs. My dog, Aurora, the um, little Pomsky, to me, I'm like, she's my daughter. Before I gave birth, you know, my dad was like, just watch the moment your baby comes, your dog will become a dog. You know, your dog yep. will not be a human anymore. Your dog becomes so a dog. true. So true. I'm like, the dogs are not allowed in my room. They're not allowed in the nursery. I don't want hair anywhere. I would say Christine. <laughs> like, yep. giving birth made me get crazy OCD. I make my bed every morning. Like, I have to fold ev- like everything. Oh, that's good. Like, crazy OCD. But yeah, so that's one thing I'm loving. One thing that I am struggling with is not having time to myself. Especially you go on social media and you see everyone is out traveling and, you know, going to the, these beautiful places and wearing, you know, these tiny bikinis and doing all of this and anything they want to do, you can go and do it. And for me, I'm like, I don't have that luxury. Right. It's a huge adjustment. This is my baby. Hi, Celine. She's like, whoa. Hi, gorgeous. Look at her hair. Yeah, she has a ton of hair. Oh, my gosh. She just says, what's happening? Oh, my God. She's massive, by the way. She's three months, and she almost weighs 15 pounds. 
I was going to say, like, she does not look three months to me. No, she's massive. She's, oh my God. Yeah, she definitely doesn't miss a meal. Okay, that's good. Okay, honey. Homegirl likes her meals. So I'm just going to do this while we're on here. Of course, yeah. Very on brand. We love it. We love to see mama's breastfeeding on the Milf Bob podcast. Yeah, so it is a struggle not having time to yourself. And I know that it's like when you're in it, everybody says like, oh, it'll get easier. But I know it's hard hearing that when you're in it. But it it does eventually get easier. But yeah, the FOMO, it's real, especially at the beginning stages. Yeah, because also like the body change is crazy and the hormonal changes. I mean, it it did wonders for my hair. It made my hair much thicker, but like my skin texture changed. Also, like I'm used to always going to the beach and being able to be tan and I can't just go and tan. I get to go to the beach like once a week and which she actually just had her first beach day on Saturday, which was so much fun. Yeah, She loved it. She absolutely loved it. She's a water girl. She loves her baths, loves the beach. But yeah, so the, the biggest struggle is being able to have time for myself. But in saying that, I wouldn't change anything for the world. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so much more reward. And, you know, like you said, it will get better. It has gotten better. I don't miss the newborn stage. She's still very young, but like she's an amazing baby. She is so sweet, so easy, you know, and uh, because she's breastfed, she's having all like proper weight, reaching all of her milestones. And which I think also, did you breastfeed? I did. Yeah. Breastfeeding is so important. Like I think breastfeeding is an experience that every mother should do. The first two weeks are very painful, but you just got to get through it. You just just got to push push through. through. You just got to push through because then it's so easy. And the bonding experience you have with your baby is unlike anything else. And the health benefits for your child and the health benefits for you. Oh my God. I love breastfeeding. I love it. I know. I did too. And I was really sad when I had to stop, honestly. But when did you stop? That's a topic I of discussion. I stopped at six months. My body just stopped producing. Okay. Um, and I did everything that I could. I took all the supplements. I was eating oatmeal for every meal. I was staying yeah. super hydrated. It's just, I think like once my period came back, my body just kind of was like, nope, I'm, I'm done. And every breastfeeding journey is so different for every woman. Mm-hmm. So like, Mm-hmm. I felt super ashamed the fact that I only made it to six months because like in my head, I was like, okay, I'm, I want to at least make it to a year at least. Um, and when I failed to do that, I was so hard on myself. But I've realized now that Hunter is two, that it's like, I should be proud of myself for making it that far because some women aren't even able to make it that far. So it's a lot, but it's the best. What's one thing that you really want to teach Celine as she grows? That she is worthy and she is loved. I think it is so important for people and kids and just anyone to know that they are worthy of whatever they want in life. You are enough and you are so loved. You know, 
because for me, when I was growing up, all the bullying I went through, it made me feel like I wasn't loved. And the feeling of being loved to me trumps everything. There are so many great feelings in life, but one of the biggest reasons I believe that we are placed here, you know, in our existence is to experience love because you can hook humans up to a machine and that machine will tell you everything, you know, from what makes you sad, what makes you happy, why you can't sleep, this or that, but nothing can detect a level of love. Nothing can detect what love is. And love is something that is so strong that binds people and motivates. And it's very important for children to feel loved. It's the most important thing for them to feel loved and feel safe. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Even for adults, like to just know that you are worthy is is such an important thing for everybody to grow up with. Absolutely. We're going to dive into the acronym now. What do you do to stay mindful? So for me, one thing that I do that now makes me stay mindful is cleaning and organizing. And I think that's my nesting. I can't function if my bed isn't made when I wake up in the morning. And my cleaning and keeping my space, you know, the Reiki in my room and keeping everything, the feng shui going, you know, and having everything aesthetically like set. For me, that's what keeps me mindful. That's what makes me feel like, okay, I'm ready to tackle the day, you know, waking up, making my bed, brushing my teeth, washing my face, you know, brushing my hair. I'm like, okay, now I'm ready. Now I can go and have that decaf coffee. (laughs) I'll have coffee here and there, but I try and stick to decaf because of this. Because you're breastfeeding. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. It's very underrated. I feel like just cleaning in general, it helps so much with stress, with just like clearing your mind. And it's something that I do too. And I lean on a lot for whenever I'm feeling like I'm not, you know, being productive in some way. Cleaning always makes me feel super productive. Makes you feel like you've accomplished something. And not to mention it just like, it makes your space so much more enjoyable to be in. Oh my God. Yeah. And I just feel like I can take on the day. I don't know if you know that one speech it's from this guy in the military where he said, you can do anything as long as you start with making your bed. It's like a TED Talk or something. Oh, yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, it is so true. And it's something that is so simple. But once you get into the habit of making your bed every day, like I can't start my day without it. Same. Sam, like in a rush or something, I can't leave the house without making the bed. Mm -mm. Like I will be Mm -mm. five minutes late if I have to be. Absolutely. My husband's like, why weren't you like this before? I'm like, I don't know, but just be happy I'm like this now. Now. (laughs) I love it. How do you listen to your intuition? So the biggest way I listen to my intuition is by, you know, taking moments for myself, like taking moments to breathe and listen. My intuition is, you know, meditating and... uh, You know, also, I think having a baby now and having her, I am so tapped into my intuition, just subconsciously. Yeah, it's crazy. Mother's intuition. What are some of your lifestyle non-negotiables? Just things that you do on a day-to-day basis that help you feel like the best version of yourself. So like we said before, making my bed and staying clean, being active, 
being active is a non-negotiable for me because I need it to, you know, just keep all of my serotonin going because if I don't, you know, get to work out or if I'm not active, if I'm not, even like walks in the sunshine with her, I don't feel like me. I feel like I haven't brushed my teeth, but for my body, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I'm the same exact way. Yeah. Especially right now too, because you're so fresh in the postpartum phase, your hormones are just absolutely raging right now. Mm -hmm. So to get that in is so, so important for your mental. Absolutely. Even if it's just going on a walk in the sunshine. Yeah. You know, I, I absolutely need to do it because without it, I start to feel dirty, you know, and uh, I'm not as happy. I find myself being more cranky. And, uh, you know, for me, that's just absolutely non-negotiable. Yeah. So talking about fitness, speaking of it, what is your fitness routine? What does that look like currently now that you're a new mama? I mean, I'm sure it's it's gone in many different stages. Yes. Yes. So and because after you give birth, you've got weeks until you're able to get back in the gym, let alone I wasn't able to actually start getting back into my intensive workout routine until I want to say about four or five weeks ago. I had a very easy birth. I'm very blessed. My experience giving birth was quick. You know, she came out. I had no tears. Wow. Yes, I'm very lucky. Like within a mat, I only had to push 11 times and she was out. I'm so jealous, but I'm also very happy for you. (laughs) It's crazy. She was ready to come in the world and there was no stopping her. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, your, your fitness routine currently is probably not too intense, obviously. No. No, because I have to get back into the swing of things because I worked out in pregnancy, but I also, I wasn't working out like crazy. And in the last two months, I kind of stopped because I developed a varicose vein in my right leg Oh, that started to clot up. So I couldn't really work out. I would go on walks, but now like I can't really run because my boobs and breastfeeding and it's really hard. So what I do for, you know, a little bit of cardio is I go on the Stairmaster. So I'll stretch and then I'll do about 15, 20 minutes on the Stairmaster. And my primary focus in my workouts is upper body and core, like my healing, my pelvic floor. Because when it comes to like the Stairmaster, I'm lucky I have very lean tone legs naturally and I put muscle on quick. So that covers my leg section a lot. So I try to focus mainly on upper body strength, core strength, and healing my pelvic floor. Because in order to hold a baby, you can't have weak arms and be a mother. Yeah, uh, no, just not a thing. No, you've got to have muscle. But healing my pelvic floor and healing my core and getting my core strength back is definitely a lot of what my workouts are centered around because everything breaks down and I'm obviously not able to do the intense ab workouts like I was before. And I'm not able to do, there are so many movements that I'm, I can't do because it's actually bad for healing your pelvic floor and it will make your pelvic floor heal and your core will start to dome. So you can't really do those things. So you have to be very mindful about what you're going to be doing when you go to the gym and I'm sure you did it too, is you had to go online and Google what are good workouts to 
yeah. heal. Cause I didn't know, like there are so many moves. I'm like, what's a pelvic floor? How do I heal that? Yeah. I didn't even know what a pelvic floor was before I had a baby. Exactly. And then now it's like, like my sister-in-law, she was like, you need to be doing these workouts. You need to be doing breath movements. You need yes. to focus on your breathing and keeping your core tight. Don't do crunches. Don't do those. Those things will not help you, you know, do lengthening things, do dead bugs, do cat cow. Yeah. I think that's a very important message for women who are postpartum is just really focusing on strengthening that pelvic floor and not really so much worrying about like whatever, quote unquote, getting back into shape or getting your old body no. back. It's just about no. healing your body and feeling yes. strong, like you said, and feeling yes. feeling the most optimal. And I think it's very important for, you know, women who are postpartum to try and be more gentle and kind to yourself. I agree. Because it's very easy to look in a mirror or look at photos and be like, shit, I don't look like that anymore. I wish yeah. I looked like that. Yeah. And be extremely hard on yourself. But babe, you just gave birth. You just brought a human into this world, whether it was weeks ago, months ago. However, you need to be patient with yourself. Yeah. You know, you can't be intense and hard on your body because you just did one of the most, if not the most incredible thing any life can do. Create new life. So be a little bit Amen. more kind to yourself. Snaps for that. You know, a hundred percent. Give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back. Be proud. You did it. You accomplished something. And eventually you will get back to wherever you want to be or whatever it is, but embrace the changes and uh, delivering and giving birth to a healthy baby is the most important thing ever. And that trumps having that great body or whatever, you know? Yeah. Because now I've got my mom bod and, you know, who said moms can't be toned and all of this. It won't happen overnight. But if you give yourself time, those nine months of pregnancy flew by. So be patient with yourself and just be hard and be consistent with yourself for as often as you can. And, uh, you know, you will get to where you want to be, but what comes Amen, first sister. is taking care of your baby. You know, don't be hard on yourself. If you don't get to go to the gym, I only get into the gym max three times a week because if you think I'm able to scrape away two hours by myself and get someone to watch my baby for me. Cause my husband works, he's gone 10 hours a day during the week. So being able to get that time, you're not going to be able to go to the gym four or five times a week. No, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is your life. And that's okay. Be patient with yourself. Be kind to yourself. You're beautiful. And who cares? You know, who cares? Yeah. At the end of the day, exactly. who's who's going to say, oh, like you don't look good or this? Screw it. No one's saying Who that. Cares? Who cares? Oh, that is such a good note to end on. Amen, mm -hmm. sister. I am yeah. so happy that you said that because that's such a huge message that I try and spread on this podcast is just the importance of giving yourself grace, the importance of patience. Like it is so easy to fall victim to being hard on ourselves as mothers. So thank you so much for just 
reiterating that. Absolutely. And I know that it's her time. She needs to go take a bath. And I know that it's later there. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. You are absolutely amazing. And I just admire you so much more now that I got the chance to like actually get to know you. I'm so thankful that this brought us together. Absolutely. And you too. She is absolutely gorgeous. So congratulations on everything. You are incredible. And she's so lucky to have you as her mama. Thank you. Well, Hunter's lucky to have you. Oh, thank you. Okay, my love, will you just let everybody know where they can find you and connect with you and follow you and all the things? So you can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is at Brittany Jason. And if anyone is interested in my book that was mentioned earlier, that is available on Amazon. It is called Nature's Way by Brittany Jason. So that is available there. But aside from that, on all platforms, it's just Brittany Jason, you know, Amazing. follow me and reach out to me. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This was really fun. You know, it's like being able to talk to a girlfriend and just getting time away. And I'm so honored to be on your podcast and so thankful And I just wanted to let you know that you are a massive inspiration as well. And I think you you are beautiful and motivational and I follow along with everything you do and I look up to it. So I'm very, very thankful to be on here, babe. And Hunter and everyone in your life is very lucky to have you. Well, right back at you. Thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you gained some insight on how to practice becoming more mindful, learn the importance of listening to your intuition, gain some lifestyle takeaways and fitness tips. You can find me on Instagram at Cherokee Luker and the podcast at MILFBODPOD. So make sure you follow me to access exclusive content to help you become a better you, a better mother, and a better human. Talk to you guys next week about all things MILF.